Amen. We'll turn to uh, Ephesians, I'm sorry, turn to James chapter 5. And today I want to talk to you about, or begin, to dis- a discussion about prayer. How many of you really think that we pray enough? I mean, whether it be individual, whether it be corporate. And uh, I'm, I'm not only, this isn't just a knowledge transfer. I'm, I'm wanting to put a burden of prayer on the individual and also put a burden of prayer on the corporate body that is Gateway Church. Amen? I want to see us become a people of prayer more so. And I'm not saying we don't pray at all, but I believe that we can pray more and that we can see uh, more of a, I don't want to call it an effort because it's, it's an actual, a great thing that we get to pray. Amen? The, the very fact that you can even pray is because Jesus died on the cross, and the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, no man can come to the Father but by Jesus. You know, you know so you know, a lot of people, man, you want to oh, make Dad mad and make me upset is be at a ball game or something and say, and we pray this in your name, or we pray this, amen. The Bible says that we are to pray in Jesus' name. If I had to say, hey, you, which you am I talking to? When you talk to Jesus, be specific. And actually, you're talking to the Father through the name of Jesus. Now, now they're one. I'm not denying the Trinity here. But we need to begin to have a biblical understanding of who we're talking to and when we're talking to, who's talking to us and what's going on. Amen? Because the, God the Father, the, the, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, they have places within themselves that, uh, that, that, that deals with us. And, uh, and so, but, but the, the very fact that God so desperately wanted to talk to you, he sent his son to die on the cross so that you could talk to him and so that he could talk to you. See, prayer isn't just about talking to God. Prayer isn't just about making requests. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is walking with God. You know what I mean? You know, I think sometimes we take walking with God as literally just walking quietly. Like, I won't talk to you and you won't talk to me, you know. No, walking, uh, walking and talking coincide with one another. You know, some people take prayer and they limit it to a certain thing. Prayer is not limited to just asking God for requests. Prayer is not just limited to warfare. Just think about how fun that Every conversation you ever have with God is a warfare conversation. Man, that becomes, that becomes burdensome. That becomes... Because here's the deal. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Amen? He fights the battles and we get the victory. All right? Well, you know what I mean? So don't even assume that when you got, if you're a prayer warrior that you're doing the fighting. No, you're trying to get underneath the shield and protection of the Lord so that he can fight for you. Amen? So it's, it's about walking with God. It's about talking with God. It's about aligning with God for his purposes and partnering with God for his will. It's an alignment of my will, not your will, God. I mean, not my will, God, but your will. Yeah, we better get that one straight. Not, not my will, but your will. You know, Jesus in the garden, he prayed, Lord, <laughs> if there's another way. He said, but, but not my will, but your will, Lord. And so today I want to talk to you about prayer. You know, they say that a day without prayer is a boast against God. It's saying, I don't need you today. I don't need you today, God. Because see, what we're good about praying when we, when, we've, when we tangibly feel that we need God. What we need to come to terms with is that we need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. Amen. There's a song written about it. 
by somebody who got a revelation that I need God, not just when I have a need, but I, but I always have a need. I always need Jesus to be an intercessor for my soul. I always need God to provide for me. I need God to be protecting me in the front. I need God to be protecting in the rear guard. I need God in every aspect of my life. Because the devil, the, the devil goes to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he devours. And he doesn't take naps and he doesn't rest. I need God protecting me at all times. I need God leading me at all times times i need god speaking to me at all times prayer is not just a one-way talk it's it's a listening there's a listening part of prayer too but today i want to talk to you about the fact of why we do not pray some of us just lazy you know that some people call prayer as as it's it's a spiritual discipline i have a book of called spiritual disciplines it's probably Old, old book. Dad probably read it when he was in seminary. But it's called spiritual discipline. When we say discipline, man, that takes all the fun out of it, right? But what it denotes is this, is that it is something that should be valued. It is something that should be prioritized. It should be something that we commit to do because we understand the importance of it in our lives. I mean, I, and, and, and I believe, you know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. I like the way Bill Akey kind of shared with me. Bill Akey that came and did the presbytery a few weeks ago, they, he's part of the prayer prophetic ministry at Gateway. And he says that what we need to do is when we get up in the morning, we need to acknowledge God is there and we need to be aware of that until we go to bed at night. That's the kind of prayer life that we need to live. Just acknowledging and being aware of the presence of God all day long. It isn't like a designated time, it's a lifestyle. It's an everyday thing. You know, the other day, when you know, every time we get on top of an elevated surface now, Dad shouts, Woo! And the first couple times, everybody's like, what are you doing? And uh, Dad's like, what does it say? I'm shouting from the rooftops. You know, from the rooftops, I will proclaim. We were putting the roof on his new house the other day, and we're up there nailing, nailing uh, tar paper, and Dad just gets up at the very peak, and he goes, Woo! And so we all went, Woo! Thank you, Jesus, you know? So we're the crazy people that shout from the rooftops in Honey Island. But hey, I saw an eagle fly over my place yesterday. That must have meant something, right? How many times? I've never seen an eagle in East Texas, I don't think. Yeah, over my side of the property, right where my house is going to go. Saw a deer. Yeah, there was a deer standing in my yard, 50 yards from a bunch of crazy people making noises. So why, you know, why, why would we not pray as we should? You know, some of us just unbelief. We don't believe God's going to do anything. Some of us just laziness. Some of us because we got other things that we rely on more than God. And that's why God is not important to be present with us at all times and in all circumstances. But I believe that we pray more so because of unwillingness due to ignorance. Even a non-Christian knows, in general, what prayer is. Even, you know, most of us that have come to church, we've seen prayers enough to where we know, okay, it's a prayer. You know what, there's no, you should not have a degree in how to pray. Amen? You should have a faith to pray. You should say, God, I need you. You know, I, I want to I I seek you. I want to know you. I want to hear from you. It should be a desire more than a skill. But, there, but can we grow in the skill of prayer? Yes, we can. But we should not limit it. You know, we always talk about this. We, people look at more about their ability than their availability. Are you making yourself available to speak to our Father, to our God, to our Lord? 
Are, are, you, are you making that a priority? Are you available? You know, we live in a world right now where you can't, it's like hard to get people together because they're just not available. And God every day is saying, hey, when are you going to make yourself available? You know, uh, I think it was Martin Luther, uh, you know, the, the one that started the Reformation and, you know, in, in Germany. And he said, he said that I have too much to do that I cannot afford to not pray three hours in the morning. Now, I'm not saying you have to pray three hours in the morning, but what his point was is that I'm so busy and I have so many responsibilities and I have so many things to do that I can't afford to not stop and pray before I do all these things. Why? Because God will make all these things come to pass because we need God lighting our direction and speaking to us and giving us, giving us the ability and the glory and in the, in the victory to do these things. But in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And this is after where he talks about call upon the elders of the church uh, to pray for you if you're sick. Let me tell you something. This is how it works. You're sick. You call upon the elders. It's not, we're not supposed to call upon you. We see this so many times. We see somebody come up to the elders and said, Hey, would you pray for so-and-so? It happens sometimes in the middle of service. The requirement here is the sick one calls upon the elders. So if you are sick or lame or, or whatever it is, the Bible says you call upon the elders to pray. You, know, you see what I'm saying? It's important there. And then the elders will pray, anoint you with oil, lay, your hands, lay their hands. we got some good smelling oil, by the way. And uh, I'm going to start wearing it as a cologne. And, you know, and, and that, that's the way it's supposed to happen. Then it goes on to say, confess your, your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Do we believe that, though? Because we don't believe we're special enough. Well, listen to this. Verse 17 says, Elijah. How many of you know who Elijah was? Dude, Elijah was a stud muffin. This dude was bad to the bone. This dude cut the heads off of 400 prophets of Baal. I've cut a few heads off of some squirrels and some deers and stuff, but never like, you know, like in battle. I mean, you're like, man, this dude was like, these weren't pansy people, okay? These were the prophets of God. And let me tell you something, the prophets of God weren't only spiritually scary, they were physically scary too. You, you, see, you see, when... Um, when the prophet Samuel came up and looked at, at, at King Saul and he said, why do I hear people breathing and why do I hear the, 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 the blading of sheep? You're supposed to kill everything. And it said he took a, a sword and he hacked Agag into itty-bitty bits. I'm like, that doesn't sound very Christ-like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. But it says, uh, but listen, so Elijah, you know, the, the guy that, Killed 400 prophets of Baal that stood up to Jezebel. That, and you know, at one time, though, he ran and hid in a cave from Jezebel. Why? Because he was a man with a nature just like ours. He had that fear overcoming. And this was a guy who walked, God's, he, he tells God, I'm going to, I'm or him and God, he says, it's not going to rain for three years. Why? The people were worshiping Baal because of Jezebel. All right? Baal was responsible for the rain. That was one of, one, of, one of that God's responsibilities. So Elijah said, I'm going to show you how powerful that Baal is over rain, and it just ain't going to rain for three years. Until I, until, yeah, three and a half years, until I say it's going to rain. And so it didn't rain for three and a half years. 
And Baal was, was impotent in making it rain. She could not make it rain. Couldn't do nothing. Why? Because it's a false god that has no power. But it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And you know what? It said, you go read it in, in 1 Kings 18. It says that Elijah, the Lord said, the Lord told him, said, Elijah, it's time to pray for rain. So Elijah didn't do things on his own. He aligned with what? The will of God. And he began to pray. And said he prayed, I think, seven times, and he kept sending a servant, go look towards the sea. And finally on that seventh time, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And, and, then, and then I love Elijah. He tells Ahab, hey, it smells like it's fixing to rain. Amen? And then it did what? It rained. But in the midst of that drought, God was working on the hearts of people. He was killing all the prophets of Baal. And God was becoming the God of Israel once more. That's what he was doing. Why? Because that is the will of God. He wants to be our God. He wants us to be his people. Amen? And Elijah was a man that was empowered with the Spirit. But because of the work of Christ, we all now may partake of the Spirit that Elijah partook of. We now have the right and the ability and the encouragement and the authority and the approval of God to come before him and pray and say, God, I need you. Amen? We have that right. We have that ability because of the work of Jesus. I want to stress that because of the work of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you can't talk to God. You can't do it. It's not going to get through. But we misunderstand things about God. And I want to talk to the I want to address these things today. We think, you know, first thing is this is how many of you know that God is sovereign? We we serve a sovereign God. But what that means is this, is that it means that God is the supreme ruler. He is the king of kings. I mean, he's, he's, he's the ultimate king. He is the, the ultimate boss. He's the ultimate foreman. He's the ultimate shop supervisor. He's the ultimate welder inspector. I mean, you know, just any, any kind of thing that you can think of that you have to speak to on a daily basis, he is supreme. He is the supreme ruler. It's the, he is the boss. He is the master. But what we do is we, we, we take that and we think that, well, that being that God is sovereign, he's going to do what he wants to do anyway, so why should I even try to influence it? Why should I even ask him? Why pray, right? I mean, if God's going to do what he wants to do, if he's sovereign, and he is sovereign, what I'm telling you, we misunderstand that to a fact where we just, Satan lies to us. Well, you know, what, what does Satan like to do? What did God really say? Eve, what did God really say? Don't eat of that fruit. What did, what did he really say? He said, don't eat of the fruit, knucklehead. But he convinced Eve. You know, So we take, this, take a sovereign God who is, who is the ruler of all. He is, he is the, the most elite. You know, We think, well, I pray if he has that much power because he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. Well, here's the key. God's going to do what he's going to do, but he wants to do it with you. Amen? ain't about God changing his will. It's about us aligning our wills with God. And it's also about knowing the will of God. Also, you know, in Matthew it says that the Father knows 
what you need before you ask. So why even ask if he already knows? Right? That don't make no sense. Why should I ask God, you know? I mean, why is the Bible so full? Well, first off, you read the Bible. What does it say about prayer? Do it all the time. Do it, you do it, do it with humility. Do it with, with brokenness. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of uh, things about it. But, but the deal is, is why? If God already knows what I, what I need, and if he's, if he's the all-supreme ruler that's going to do what he wants to do, then why even pray? Why? Well, let me show you something. 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. We count everything as slowness. We want everything on our time. We want it now. It says, but is patient toward you. See, we think that we're being patient with God. No. God's being patient with your foolishness. God is waiting on you to align with his will. We're we're waiting on God to align with our will, and he ain't doing it fast enough, and he ain't doing it the way that we think it ought to do. No, that's that's not the case. The case is God waiting on you, being patient with you, that we count slowness for us to say, all right, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? You know, Ephesians 5.15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you don't know the will of the Lord, then you're going to do foolish things, because you're going to operate against His will, outside of His will. But it says, it says this, he's not slow, as some count as slow, slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all sh- should reach repentance. Now, I'm using ESV, and I, really, honestly, the King James Version has the key words today that I would prefer. But, but it says this, it says that his will is that not any should perish. What is the will of God? That none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen? But here's the deal. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. But let me ask you something. Are all going to repent? Are all going to not perish? No. But that's the will of God. Because the thing is, is God has given us a will. See, God God has a will, and it's what's important. It's our wills that need to align with God. That's what prayer is about. It's God, I'm submitting my will to you. God, you're, you're going to accomplish. You're going you're to execute justice. You're going to save the world, Lord. You're going to do your thing. You're going to reign, Lord. You're going to prove who is worthy of glory. But the question is, is do I want to be in on that? Do I want to be in on that? Do I want to be a part of that? And I'm going to tell you what, if you're a believer, if, if the... If the Holy Spirit is within you and around you, you should desire to seek that. That should be a part of your, your intent in life is to see, just to partner with God, as Gary Stewart calls it, to see his glory manifest to the world. Amen? Because I know this, that the best for Chad West is to be aligned with the will of God. I'm not smart enough to create my own perfect destiny and to create my own perfect life. See, your will is what needs to change. We need to know God's will. He is sovereign. He's the boss. We ain't. That's part of the humility of coming and saying, hey, I don't, I don't want to be the boss anymore. You can be the boss. When we repent and accept Jesus. But God is a supreme ruler. But we pray so that we can align with him. 
We pray so that we can be a part of what he's going to do. Amen? Not just flail and, and fail off to the side. We want to be a part of what God... Well, I wanna, if, if I want to be on the fire team, I want to be on God's fire team. If I want to be a part of an army, I want to be a part of the army of God. I want to be a part... If, I mean, who, who in the heck ain't going to choose the winning team if they know what the winning team is? Right? I mean, you guys try to do it every day. Y'all try to forecast it in, this, uh, in the football thing, you know? What do you call that? Fantasy football. You know, that's what you do. You're trying to guess and assume... Which one's going to win? But let me tell you something. There ain't no fantasy about who's going to win in the end because God has already secured his victory through Jesus Christ. We already know the outcome, and it's a reality now. Amen? We're on the winning team. And so the sovereignty of God. Yes, God has a will, and it's going to happen, but here's the deal. Our will is what we need to think about in God's sovereignty. We need to realize that our wills need to partner with his. Our wills need to change to fit his will. The second thing is the immutability of God. Now somebody give me a, you can't, you've already been in seminary, but but I mean the immutability of God. How many of you know without without saying it, how many of you know what the immutability of God is? Butch knows. Why? Because Butch reads. A lot. Knowledge is power. You know? But here's the deal. How come? How come y'all? Y'all don't. Nobody knows what immutability is. It is the. It is the. It is the. The. I don't know how to properly say this. It is the unchangingness of God. God doesn't change. And you're like, well, if God doesn't change, why ask Him to change something in my life? You see the conundrum we find ourselves in. If God doesn't change, then why pray to Him to change things in my life? It's because of this. God's character doesn't change, but God's mind can change. God can change his mind. And what makes God change his mind? When my will aligns with his. When my desires become his desires. You see, we're talking about this will. You know, his will is his desire. You know, when you, when you create a will, what do you create? You say, I want my stuff. My desire is for Cammy to get this and Callie to get this and Christy to get this if I were to die today. That would be my desire. That's what we're talking about, God's desire. We're talking about his desire doesn't change. God's character doesn't change. When you see men pray to God, they remind him, God, you don't change. God, God, you know why you started this. God, you know that you're a loving God. You know, when, God, when, when, you, feel the heat, when you feel the heat coming, you don't start saying dirty things to the, to the one that you feel the heat. You, you start saying, hey, you start talking about the good things. You know, like, hey, God, you're a good God. God, you love us. God, you put us here for a reason. See, Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Now, I want you to see something here. God does not change his character. Now, he changes his mind, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the very reason why he doesn't consume the children of Jacob is because he don't change. Yeah? Because he's a God of love. He's a God of vision. He's a God of victory. He's a God of... Of, I know what's going to happen. He's a God of mercy. He says, he says, because I have a plan for you, I'm not going to wipe you out. I will whip your tail. I'll give you some fun days if you don't line out with my will. He says, but, but I have a plan for you. And you are important to that plan. What you've got to do is you've got to submit your will to my will. I'm speaking for God here, okay? Not, I'm not Chad West's will. 
But you've got to, we've got to submit our wills to God's will so that God can work it out the way he desires. See, that's the problem, man. We, we spend all of our time trying to pray God to submit to our will and do our thing when God's saying, won't you do Because, you know, part of prayer is finding out the will of the Lord. Before we start praying for something to happen, we need to say, God, what do you want me to pray? You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach us what to pray when we don't know what to pray. So there's some listening involved here. But God says, I'm not going to wipe you out because I don't change and the plan's still the same and I'm a loving God and I want to give you every opportunity that I can. But God will change his mind. In the King James Version, it says a couple times that God repents. And you're thinking, what? Is this like during the altar call? Does God come down and get on the floor and say, oh, I repent? No. Here's, what, here's, here's the thing. Repent means this. It's metanoia. It means to change one's mind. Now, I do believe there is still a difference in the way a man should change his mind and the way that God should change his mind. Because when you read in uh, Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should change his mind. And it says that he should repent in the King James. But here I'm fixing to read you two scriptures where he repents. But what it's saying here is God doesn't have to repent because he's wrong. God doesn't repent because he's sinful because he's not. God doesn't repent because he has to because he don't have to. The Bible says he'll give mercy to who he wants and who, you know, he give mercy to who he wants to. The point is, is that God, when he changes his mind, it's because of his love. It's because of his goodness. It's because of his mercy. It's because of his grace. It's because of his desire that all men should come to repentance. Amen? That's why God changes his mind. And so we see in Exodus 32, 14, how, you, how many of you remember the, the golden calf incident? How many of you were there? Oh, you were, you just don't know it. We all got golden calf remnants and flakes and marks and scars. So God is like, he's furious. He is righteously indignant that these knuckleheads, that I just did all that I've did, all that I've done, all, you know, all the feeding of you, the taking care of you, the blessing you, the killing off all your enemies, the, the giving you a cloud of fire by day, giving you my presence. I mean, just giving you, there is absolutely, you have been dead gum, just without me, you've had nothing. And now Moses leaves for five seconds and you're out there worshiping a golden calf. Like you just created a God out of nothing. You just created something. And then Moses in Exodus 32, Moses consults God. And he didn't call God a dirty name. He didn't bow up on God, but he did this. He reminded God of who he was. He addressed the character of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, that's what Jesus was saying. When we pray, we need to acknowledge God for who he is. And the only way we know who he is by reading the scriptures to know who he is. See, see reading scripture is just as important to prayer as talking to God. Because it tells us how to pray and it teaches us who we're talking to. It teaches us how we have the ability to talk to him. Amen? And so we, we pray to God. We're like, God, you're a good God. Lord, you're a loving God. You're a merciful God. Lord, I'm an idiot. 
And Lord, I know you have a, a, a purpose for me, God. And I need you to show me how to get there, God. I need you to make a way for me, God. Lord, I need you to protect me as I journey there, God. Lord, I need you to provide me as I go there. And God knows our hearts. And Moses got up there in, in humility and just pled with God. And it says in Exodus thirty-two fourteen, And the Lord relented. In King James Version, it says repented. Some versions, it says changed his mind. It says, from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Because he was going to disaster them. But he didn't. And if he would have smoked every one of them's drawers, he wouldn't have been the wrong for it. That's the point. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every one of us could smoke in hell for an eternity. And that would have been justified. That would have been, that would have been the, the proper penalty due what we had coming to us. But Jesus, that's another song I heard yesterday. He wore my crown. I'm not talking about a golden crown. I'm talking about the crown of thorns that Jesus wore for me upon the cross. Jesus wasn't there because he deserved to be there. Jesus was there because somebody had to take the penalty for the sin that every one of us are, are, are responsible for. That's what Jesus did. We hear the story of Jonah. How many of you know the story of Jonah? God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell him in 40 days, I'm going to rock this place out. And he didn't even say, unless they repent. He just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this place. And so, of course, Jonah has his own issues. He, run, he runs away and gets on the ship and said that the people rode hard. Let me tell you something. When you run from God, I don't care how many oars you got and how many people you got cheering you on and got how many people you got rowing for you, you ain't getting nowhere. I don't care how many people you got praying for you. See, that's when you start praying against the will of God. Lord, it, that, there is a time to say, Lord, if it be your will... You know, there is a time to say, Lord, if it be your will. And that's when you don't know what the heck his will is. Say, Lord, I don't know what your will is, and I don't know what's going on with so-and-so, but, Lord, I'm praying for them. Lord, that you either save them or, or grant them repentance or change their mind, whatever they need to do, get them on your side, you know. But with some, when you, can't, you, you, can't get it, you can't get the dead gum Olympic road team to row you away from the will of God when he wants you going somewhere. It says, you know, and I know Jonah, he gets thrown off the boat because they're like, man, we give up. We threw him over the side, and he gets, he gets ate by a great fish. How many of you seen that, that 50-foot shark they just found? They thought they were extinct. What do you call it, Megadon or something like that? It is a 50-foot-long shark. I, no, I, no I, will, I said on Facebook, I'll never take a bath again. I ain't getting in water. I've got like a big fishnet over my, over my shower head in case a shark comes through there, you know. But that scared me to death. But, um, but Jonah, he, he goes to the people of Nineveh and he preaches to them. He said, God's going to destroy you. Didn't even give them the option of repentance. He's just saying, God's going God's to destroy you. And the king says, we're going to repent. <laughs> you know what's cool? It's cool about like in the Viking days and stuff. You know, back then the king like, hey, we're Christians today. Y'all, y'all gonna believe what I'm gonna believe, you know? I don't really know. How, that's kind of weird to see how that worked out. But I mean, you know, the king said, "Hey, y'all better stop this foolishness. We, we don't, we don't want God destroying the place." 
And it says that he commanded everybody to, 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 be, to mourn and sackcloth and ashes and all those things, you know, the, a sign of humility to God. And it said, and when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Second time. So, don't, so here's the deal. God can change his mind when it's good concerning his will. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to align our wills with God's will. You know, the, it says that, you know, okay, so our Father who art in heaven, you know, it's acknowledging for who he is. But then it also says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that happens through prayer. That happens upon us beseeching him. You know, how much of the foolery would, you know, you, you know what? Doing malicious Facebook campaigns solves nothing. It causes dissension. It is jumping on the bandwagon. Bag, wacking the wagon. It's, it's jumping on Satan's bandwagon. It's not jumping on God's bandwagon. It's not how you deal with things. But prayer is a way how you begin to deal with things. Sometimes there's a time to be vocal, but if you're not prayed up before you're vocal, then you're going to get made a fool of. None of these prophets went up there and started declaring great, great things that God was going to do until God said, hey, go do this. Why? Because they spent time in prayer. They spent time talking, walking, and listening to the Lord. Ezekiel 22.30 says this. And I sought for a man among them. So God's looking at Israel. Israel is just utterly evil. Israel is doing wrong to each other. They're just defiling all the things that God taught them. It's just, it's gone crazy. This is like probably one of the worst situations Israel's ever been in. And Ezekiel prophesies and says this of God. He says, and I sought for a man among them. Just one. Just one person. Who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land. Just one person. One individual that would cry out to me and pray to me for the sake of all this foolishness. That I should not destroy it. Is there a Moses here? Is there an Abraham here? Is there a David? Is there a William, a Mickey, a Jessica, a Christy? Is there anyone here that would just cry out to the Lord? Is there one person that, that believes that God can do anything in the midst of this situation? He says that, they should, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord God. And he said, if you just simply would have had one person praying, interceding, reaching out, crying out, asking God to move, then this wouldn't have happened. You see, guys, we can pray like Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God, but he was a natural man just like us. He had fears. He had concerns. But man, to live that type of life where you can go hide in the woods and God will deliver you 
water and food and meat and bread by the ravens. I know a man one time who prayed for food on Thanksgiving and a turkey came floating down the river. That stuff can still happen today. I've seen times where my, me and Christy, it, it made no sense absolutely how we were existing financially. It was just God. I've seen God do so many great things. I mean, I was, I was, I'm supposed to be crippled right now in a wheelchair with a pl- plastic hip, you know, in, in my hip socket. And, but here I am standing. You know? God still moves today. God's looking for people. He's just looking for one. See, I, w- I want our whole church to become a church of prayer, but right now I'm just, I'm like, will you be the one? Will you personally be accountable and responsible? Listen, I'm not asking you to do some arduous task. I'm asking you, will you just cry out to God, begin to speak with Him, begin to listen to Him? Because it, 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 it's, it's, it's not about benefiting me, it's about benefiting you. Because, see, I'm your pastor, I'm your shepherd. My job is to help you connect with the Lord. So that, you know, here's, and here's the deal. The more connected to the Lord is, the less mess I've got to clean up for you and go behind you and help you. You know, you hear what I'm saying? My job is not to babysit you for the rest of your life, but to help you grow up and to mature, become a mediator, to walk with the Lord. Amen? So that you can help me help others and teach others and show others and testify to others. This is the God that I serve. This is what God does in my life. And when people begin to look at you and like, what's going on with you? You're like, I walk with the Lord. I pray to the God of, 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 of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I wrote a song about that yesterday. No. I can't sing. I'm not finished with it yet. I am. I'm working on a song, you know. Because how, how many times, how many times have you heard that? The, I mean, who are you talking about? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Amen? He's my God. Amen? The same God. The same God that David cried out to. He's my God. The same David that, that Joseph cried out to. He's my God. The same David that the pro, the same God that the prophets heard from. You're not the same David, but the same God that the prophets heard from. He's my God. The same God, the same God that, that rose, rose Jesus from the dead, He's my God. The same God that, that, that did all the things that we read of old in the Bible, He's my God. Amen? And why, why can't He not do what He said He would do today? Because we will not reach out in prayer and say, God, I choose to, to, to give you myself. I choose to give you my time. I choose to cry out to you, Lord, and rely on you other than the things in the mess of this world. That's my God. He's your God. He's our God. And you know what? He's just looking for people who will stand in the gap. What kind of gap? We, man, we got a wide gap that we need to stand in. Politics is crazy. People are going to hell. The younger generation ain't going to church no more because their parents ain't teaching them it's the right thing to do. And you know what? We got to teach them more than the what to do. We got to teach them why we do it. The Bible says that you, lay, you tell them about it when they lay down at night, when you're walking down the road, when you're going fishing, when you're going hunting, when you're going camping, when you eat, when you're telling funny stories. Always remind them of the goodness of God and why we serve Him. It even says that when we give, we, we tell people that we give to God because He takes care of us. Amen? So what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Are you praying? Do you pray? Listen, 
man, all the examples. If if your first if your first response to a situation is a Facebook post, you ain't praying right. If your if your first response to a situation is to punch a hole in the wall, you ain't praying right. If your first situ- if your first response to a situation is what do I do, you ain't praying right. Because you need to ask the Lord and say, Lord, what do I do? Amen? Amen. You know, I just, I remembered how much my mama prayed. I mean, I listened to E.B. Hill talking about his mama praying for him. But I just remembered how my mom used to pray for me. And I used to think, man, my mama loves me, you know. But, you know, really what's, what good is going to come out of all this talk? And it did something. <laughs> you know, it did something. I heard a story of a man the other day. He was a missionary. Man, he, 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 just, he was a man of prayer. And, uh, man, I could say a lot of other things about him, but he, he had, when he got saved, he was in seminary and he was lost. And, and uh, he got saved in seminary. He went, to, he went to missionary school, actually, and they wouldn't affirm him as a missionary because his life was so bad up to that point. Apparently he was a drunkard, a whoremonger. I mean, apparently he was just outwardly just a bad person, you know, I mean, to worldly standards. So when he got saved, a friend of his chose not to. And he said, so he ended up, he ended up, God led him. He said he'd pray and God would lead him here and here, and he ended up going to Africa. And, and even today, and this was in the 1800s, I think, he had opened more orphanages than had ever happened, even to today's standards. Still a record. And it said at his funeral, when he died, there was somebody there that could witness all this. It said that somebody showed up, or actually when the guy was dying, he kept saying a person's name. And it was that person's name that he went to missionary school with that refused to give their life to Christ. And he said at the funeral, they're sitting there and they're talking about this man and they're honoring, honoring him and all that. And they said, this, this gentleman walked in the back door. And he knelt down at the casket. And he gave his heart to Jesus right there. And before, he, before the man died, he told the guy that witnessed this, he says, I've prayed every day for 60 plus years that my friend would give his heart to Christ. And the day that they laid him in the ground, his friend shows up. And gives his heart to Christ. That is the fervent, never ceasing prayer of a righteous man. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Do you feel like you're up to snuff as a prayer? And hear me, hear me out. Don't make this a works thing. Don't make this a, you know, Lord, I've got to go do CrossFit for an hour. No. Become a prayer. And I believe this, the best way to learn to pray is to pray. God will show you, and God will teach you, and God will guide you. But we need to become people of prayer, amen? Because I feel like a dang fool that doesn't have much to say in a lot of situations. I'm like, God, what, what do we do? <laughs> and a lot of the problem is this, is we just haven't prayed about it. And so today, the, the altars are open. But I want to ask you this. If today you want to say, listen, we're not making New Year's resolutions and all that, but today I just want you, if you're willing to make yourself available, don't worry about your ability, but make yourself available to say, Lord, teach me how to pray. 
I want you, as we stand in Sharice allegiance, if you would, just come today to the altar and say, Lord, teach me how to pray.